Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Welcome everybody, it's Thursday afternoon, which means that it is Fresh Thinking time. And it's a very special day today for us, especially in the Chabad world, because today is Gimel Tammuz, the third of Tammuz, the 26th Yorzeit. If you could use that word, because it's a, a loaded word, Yorzeit doesn't really necessarily do justice to what happens to the soul of a tzaddik, of a great person, of a rebbe, and the incredible impact that they have on our world at a time such as this. This is the 26th anniversary of the Histalkus, of the passing of the Rebbe. So for us, it's a very, uh, it, it, it's a very meaningful day, and it's a very powerful day, and it's a day that has a tremendous amount of potential. We've got to try and get hold of that potential. It's not an easy day, by the way, um, because it, it brings back a whole lot of memory on the one hand, and a whole lot of work that we need to work on ourselves on the other hand. So there really is quite a lot that we focus on at this time. The question is, how do we maximize the opportunity? So what I've done over here today is, uh, because there's so much going on, and there is so much going on in the Chabad world today around this specific occasion, and everybody's got something on, and everybody's busy, and everybody's reflecting, and everybody's engaged in outreach, and everybody's studying extra. So I thought I'll reach out to a good friend who lives down in the Western Cape, Rabbi Ashi Deren from Chabad of the West Coast, and invite him onto the show. So Rabbi Deren, welcome. Thank you. Good to be back in Joburg. It's been a while. <laughs> um, in the current lockdown conditions, I guess it's not so easy to to get yourself to the other side of the country, right? That's the wonders of technology, is that we can bring somebody across from one part of the uh, world to the other and from one part of the country to the other. Still trying to work out, I don't know if there's any techie people over there. We are, are, we are on uh, Facebook Live as well, and I'm trying to add Rabbi Darren over here to my Facebook Live stream so that the Facebook people can hear you as well, and somehow it's just not working uh, as it should, but we'll get there. We shall get there. I guess there's a first time for everything, and there's always the opportunity to fix things up afterwards. There we go. I've found what I think I need. Okay. Uh, anyway, so Rabbi Darren, uh, you, unlike me, who lived all the way and lives all the way across here in Africa, you lived a lot closer to the hub, to the center, to uh, New York, to 770. Maybe you could just tell us something, just a first memory, I suppose, a first inspiration that comes to your mind on a day like this, a memory related to the Rebbe. I think, you know, living was probably for most of my childhood, about a three, four hour um, distance away um, drive. But it was only for one year when I was studying in Shiva in Morristown, in the last year before the Rebbe took ill, that I really felt like I had the chance to I wouldn't say be learning at the Rebbe's feet, but as close to what I would have come to at that age. What what comes to mind when I think of that is uplifting. Every experience with the Rebbe, whether it was davening, whether it was learning Torah for three or four hours, whether it was just the niggin in between here and there, every experience, you walked out of that with your davening lifted, your learning Torah lifted, your inspiration 
or drive to help another person lift it. And yeah, I think that's really what it was. You know, it's interesting that you use that word, that expression lifted, because, you know, there's, I actually told the story the other day, there's this magnificent anecdote about the Rebbe and an occasion where a particular elderly chassid, Rabbi Yosef Weinberg, had an urgent letter that he wanted to deliver to the Rebbe, and it was late at night and all the secretaries had left, and he kind of slipped it into the crack of the door of the Rebbe's office, and then realized afterwards that what that meant is that as the Rebbe would open the door, the letter would fall to the ground, and uh, he would have been the cause of the Rebbe having having to um, to pick up this note off the ground, and he felt terrible about it, and he apologized profusely afterwards to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe said to him that that's what my whole purpose is, is to lift that which everybody else has overlooked. So it's interesting that you use that expression. And it's not interesting, it's act. It's appropriate to use that expression to lift. Because I think any of us who had the opportunity and the privilege of having seen the Rebbe, you felt lifted always. And that's why I'm inviting if anybody does have a story that they would like to share or an anecdote or even something that you've read or heard about or if you received, I'm sure there are people here in South Africa who received communication from the Rebbe over the years. Please share that with us. I think it would be inspiring for other people. So the contact details are 34519 if you'd like to SMS. Otherwise, send a message via Telegram on 0618951019. And of course, you can interact with us via social media. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Okay, so as uh, mentioned, today is a special day. It is Gimel Tammuz, the 26th anniversary of the passing of the Rebbe. And I did throw it out there, Rabbi Darren, to see if anybody was going to share something with us. And here's somebody on Twitter, Leah, who says on Twitter that Baruch Hashem, she has tons of stories that she could share, which is really nice. But she says a Twitterable one, <laughs> because this is a message on Twitter. A twittable one is when I was in the Shiduchim enslavement. I'm not quite sure what that means. <laughs> one of my so-called list items was that I wanted to meet somebody Chabad like me. But God had other plans. And when I met my husband, and parenthetically she says he thinks he is Likvish, he told me that he and his family had gone to visit the Rebbe. And that's how I found out what it means to be a real Shaliach. Okay, it's quite a nice... <laughs> It's quite an unusual story. It's quite a nice story. So, um, as you said, Rabbi Darren, you said that you were um, you had the opportunity to be in, in Morristown Yeshiva. For those people who don't know, that's that's really close by. It's what like uh, less than an hour's drive out of New York. So you obviously had the opportunity to go in from time to time. Um, what what kind of uh, I don't know what kind of story uh, stories memories insights? I mean, you spoke generally about the idea of being uplifted from having the interaction with the Rebbe. Maybe a story, even if it's not your own story, a story that you heard that really talks to you, that really inspires and motivates you. We're having over here an on-air Fabrengen, or at least that's the objective. You know, like everybody, uh, um, we project a... Uh, we try to project our best face forward and do our best things on the outside, but oftentimes on the, on the inside, things aren't quite as simple and clear as the rest of the world sees sees in you. And it isn't a rarity that those that are blessed sometimes with the greatest uh, power, if you could call it, or talent in, in inspiring and reaching out and influencing others, sometimes themselves, I don't want to say sometimes, perhaps it's, it's the flip side of that, 
is that you had a lot of a lot of your own inner work that you need to do. Um, you know, working through that. And I guess for me as a shliach, it's, it's a struggle I feel often when so many people will say, Rabbi, this was so amazing, or you were so inspiring, or so this or that. And, you know, on the inside, you're, you're working through this uh, hurricane of, of feelings, of conflicts, of demons, of whatever it is. And as time goes on and you look back at the great symbols of your youth, and you start to study them more and read more about them, and you start to see a very different side to them. You see it's actually a common trait in, in leadership. And one of those figures for whom as a child I had this absolute, I wouldn't say just admiration, just it was almost like a wow factor, was one of the Rebbe's that trusted, I don't know if you'd use the word lieutenants or generals, but uh, he was known affectionately as Rabbi J.J. Hecht, father of our own right. Rabbi Yossi Hecht here in, uh, in yeah, Santin, or grandfather of Rabbi Pini Hecht. What's okay, that? Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, and in fact, today we had a, a wonderful children's rally in, uh, in Cape Town of all the Jewish schools. Um, actually, I actually joined into that rally for, Academy. Uh, for a couple of minutes. I actually joined into that rally and saw oh, it, was, okay. it was spectacular. <laughs> you did a really good job in in little Jewish community of Cape Town, as sometimes the Joburgers might uh, kind of patronizing look patronizingly look at it. In the meantime, I think Cape Town did very well today. So shout out to Cape Town. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so during the rally, we actually, during the, uh, during the rally, we got, um, we showed a little video where Rabbi Hecht, you know, that, that song that anybody who ever spent a day in a Ghanizi anywhere in the world, you know that song, um, I'm now. We actually showed the children the video of Rabbi Hecht teaching the song to mm-hmm. thousands of children at a rally in front of the Rebbe. It was the first time that Rebbe was hearing the song as well. Um, so while the song was playing, I actually um, typed into the chat box on the side for all the children. I said, the song is being taught by Dvora Leah. She was one of the girls who, Rabbi Pinney's daughter, she was one of the girls who said one of the psukim. I said, Dvora Leah great-grandfather. So uh, now in South Africa, he has three generations that are taking great pride in him. As a child, you just saw this man who would stand up in the Rebbe's presence, translating the Sikhs, speaking. But it was also not in the Rebbe's presence, but he would speak at the gatherings of Chassidim. You saw a person who was literally on fire. Like, you know, you, you just, he would thunder the way he would talk and just this moving machine and, and what he achieved during his too short uh, of a lifetime. I remember when he passed away, it was like a real, Thunderclap, it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Tuba of Tafshin Nun, 1990. Um, like he was, I mean, he had a white beard, but he was nothing near an old man. He was younger than, than any of the Rebbe's Chassidim. And he was just this, this ball of energy and this, I'd call him a general, but he acted more like a foot soldier in the Rebbe's army. And then over the years, not only over it after his passing, but after Gimel Tamas, after Rebbe's passing, more and more started to come out 
of of, uh, of his own communications with the Rebbe. Mm-hmm. And that was like shed a whole new light. Because there you saw somebody who who was conquering the world, but you saw in his communications with the Rebbe that within that he was also conquering himself. And that that whole principle that we all know that you know you, your biggest uh, mountain to climb is, is the one inside of you. You see that so beautifully in his relationship with the Rebbe. Every letter um, expresses that. The struggles that he's going through, the moods that he was in, and that reflected in that back and forth. Um, so I mentioned before the rallies, but I think his probably his, his biggest stage, literally, was the Lagboimer parades, when he was the organizer, the National Council for the Furtherance of Jewish Education, who were the organizers of the parade. He was on a on a stage next to the Rebbe. In fact, in the early years, he was using the same uh, standard, the same podium, um, pulpit, and, and and microphone as the Rebbe. But he would translate, and he was the MC, the master of ceremonies for the whole. You know, as all these big floats and the the, new, the the National Guard when the army would come by and the tanks and the police. He, he was like the whole conductor of the event. And one of the um, pros, the, 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 the themes of communication that you see in his writing to the Rebbe and the Rebbe's responses is around the parades. Where you can imagine the amount of stress and work, I and mean, literally tens of thousands of children coming, and you have to block off the seat. And then they had the the amusement park, which we maybe will talk about later on on, on Empire Boulevard. Um, and oftentimes he was he would be very stressed leading up to it. But all of that was in private, and until the last few years, none of us ever knew about those letters that he would write to the Rebbe. But there was one moment, it's actually captured on video, which is just unbelievable. Where at the end of the parade, and I think it's either the parade of 1987 or 1990, the two, the last two most magnificent parades, and it was just a spectacular event, the, the pride that all, everybody there got in seeing the Rebbe at the, at the helm of this wonderful day was was gushing, and as the Rebbe is walking out, you can see, you can you can hear it on the mic. He leans over to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe is waving to the children, encouraging the season. You can hear him whispering, but the mic picks it up. It says, "I want to thank Avdanik and the Rebbe. I want to thank the Rebbe for was... I want to thank the Rebbe for schlepping me out." And I'm not sure what the word that he uses. If it was Marlashchere or Blate, if it was. My, my, you know, depression or the, the, the blood of the, I'm not sure exactly what the word there was. He thanks the Rebbe for, for schlepping him out of wherever he was, you know, leading up to the parade. And the Rebbe gives this beautiful smile and with a question like, I schlepped you out, lifted you up. That's my and... <laughs> That is magnificent. I think as much as Rabbi Hecht was a, 
I'm saying it's a magnificent yes, story. Because it, it, it illustrates a hero so much. of mine through my uh, childhood. Sorry, this, the, the feedback here isn't working. You go. <laughs> there's some, there's some, uh, there's some lag over here. Where the, the, the fun and games of producing from home and using Skype. Uh, Rabbi Darren, we're going to pick up that story in just a second. I know you wanted to say something about uh, the hero perspective that you had on Rabbi Hecht and then how that, all of that changed. Uh, not changed, but how you had a different perspective from that story. Just, want to, it, it, just for those of you who have just joined us, um, together with Rabbi Ashi Darren from Chabad of the West Coast, special program we have today because it is Gimel Tamos, the 26th Yorzeit of the Rebbe. We're talking a little bit about the Rebbe and specifically some personal perspectives. If you'd like to join the conversation, you could do so at any time. Send an SMS, including your personal recollection or story on 34519. You can send a message via Telegram on 0618951019. There's, uh, the social media avenues are open at Chai FM, at Rabashish, the Chai FM Facebook page. Uh, did you know that Slices Pizza is working through the lockdown and delivering free to most areas? Hot and delicious Chalav Yisrael pizzas delivered to your door. The minimum order is 135 rand. So call now, 067-168-6744. WhatsApp orders are also welcome. T's and C's apply. You can also make a difference during the COVID-19 And as of yesterday, Slices Pizza is now delivering in Cape Town as well. Is, is, is that true? Oh, look at that. So if we have people listening via streaming... And they'd like to order in Cape Town. I assume that they'll get the same deal. That's zero six seven one six eight six seven double four. The other thing you need to know is that you can make a difference during the COVID nineteen pandemic with Discam. Your Discam benefit points can now go towards supporting the Independent Solidarity Fund set up by the president. Discam is matching rand for rand all point donations and will kick started with an upfront two million rand. Money's raised. Go towards saving lives and assisting people in need. So donate now by converting your points via the Discam app or website. Together we are stronger. Together we can overcome this pandemic. Discam pharmacists who care. All right. So uh, it's really nice to have Rabbi Darren. I mean, we enjoy speaking. We enjoy having a little fabrengen together whenever the opportunity arises. So I figured I'll share that with all of you. About Darren telling us a magnificent story. I don't know if everybody knows the back story, so just to give you a bit of a picture, the Rebbe initiated what was called the Lagba Omer parades, which means that certain years, particularly when Lagba Omer was on a Sunday, then there'd be these mega parades of kids from all over the place, religious, non-religious, different schools, different backgrounds would come past the Chabad Lubavitch headquarters at 770 Eastern Parkway, there would be music, there would be floats, there'd be military parades, clowns, uh, guest speakers. The kids would get to share words of Torah together, and the Rebbe would address the children. And as Rabbi Darren says, the, the person who ran the whole thing was Rabbi J.J. Hecht, a really magnificent human being for anybody who knew him. And you were about to say, Rabbi Darren, that uh, after, the, uh, after his passing, when that particular story came out about how he felt that he was schlepped out of the difficulty or the, uh, the, the uh, despair, I suppose, almost that he felt. And, and you, you, you were about to say that you had a different perspective on, on the man and of his relationship with the Rebbe because of that. Um, um, I think what, I think what it, it did for me, 
seeing that video and reading that video, reading the uh, letters that went back and forth. But then that moment suddenly made me feel like, you know, like, hey, you know, that, hey, that great, great towering chasta that was all chasta that was very far away and, and up in, up in, yeah, the, yeah. in the, the stratosphere of, of Kabbalah, Kabbalah the legends, legends. That, that could be me. You know, it's, it's so often what we do is we take the, the greatest gifts that we're given, and you say, oh, that's for this, this one or that. It's not, I'm not up to that. I can't do that. I think that moment of the evolution towards birth, I didn't think thank you, you left out. The devil's response, um, just on a very own, in a really powerful way. So, Rabbi Darren, I don't know why you've de- developed a little bit of an echo over there on the Skype. I guess this is the fun and games of trying to work under tech circumstances and not in a regular studio. So, just uh, to pick up on what you were saying, and uh, it looks like it looks like if this tech doesn't pick up, we may actually have to re- revisit the, the the conversation. But I think what you said was so powerful and so relevant and something that all of us felt very often. Very often you get the impression that there's some kind of scale and hierarchy and people who are at these mega levels of spirituality and then there's just me. And who am I? And how could I relate to any of this? If there's one thing that the Rebbe did for us, and the Rebbe did a lot for us, yeah, but if there's one thing that the Rebbe did, was to create this opportunity to see our own power. You know, everybody likes to quote, and I think it's a very apt quote, the uh, previous chief rabbi of the United Kingdom, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, saying that the rebel was not interested in creating followers, but in creating leaders. So true, so true and so relevant. I think that that's the big deal about all of us, is you look around at the Chabad world, and, and everybody who's listening probably knows somebody somewhere who either runs a Chabad center or has been to this magnificent Chabad center, and you think that we're all these big heroes with, with the black capes. The truth is, the Rebbe took ordinary people and empowered us in such an incredible way. And I, I think that's such a great lesson, you know, the, the idea that every one of us can make a difference. I often think about it, and Rabbi Darren, I'm sure that you would concur. I often think about it when we were barely bar mitzvah, and sometimes even before our bar mitzvahs, running around with a pair of tefillin and telling adults what they should do with their life. You should put on tefillin. You know, this confidence, this belief that you had the ability to really impact another person. So, to Very me, that's... So. Yeah, okay, there we go. I thought I thought we had lost you there Sorry. for a second. But you're back, you're back. <laughs> um, it's an interesting um, phenomenon because, you know, this morning before the... Uh, Started. I was learning on my own and studying a mimer from the Rebbe. A mimer that I've heard before, an but the depth to which the Rebbe takes the, the student as you're learning, quoting from Kabbalah, from Chsedis, Talmud, Tanakh, everything, sort of the, the whole sea of Torah is open in front of you, and you think, like, how can I ever do this? And then three hours later, I'm sitting with this children's rally and I see a video which I've never seen before. We, we played it. I just saw it last night for the first time when I found it. Where a young boy comes by for a blessing, not to become a great Torah scholar, not for healing for his parents or something, 
He asks for a blessing to deal with his older brother who doesn't want to sleep on the top bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> and my first instinct was how great of the Rebbe to have to, you know, love, you know, get into the mind of this uh, seven-year-old kid fighting with his big brother over a bunk bed. And then I thought to myself, one second, how different, you know, okay, maybe my words, the, the, the clutter in my mind doesn't express itself exactly with those words. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a bunk bed in my room. The things that irk me, the things that I turned to the Rebbe for, have I ever felt in my life that it was insignificant? And I think that's really what Gimel Thomas is about. It's, it's, we were talking in the car yesterday with the kids. I think it's a day of Yechidus. Of Rabbi Darren, we're going to come back to that in one second, if you don't mind. You've got a powerful point over there, and I don't want to lose it. I'm going to just pay the bills for a second, and we'll come straight back to that. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. We are talking today with special guest Rabbi Ashi Darren from the Chabad of the West Coast, talking about the Rebbe, because today is Gimel Tamo's 26th anniversary of the passing of the Rebbe. So funny, you were saying just before the break about a kid arguing over the bunk bed. Well, I'll tell you, I had exactly that this week. Not only this week, today. Today I got a message from somebody uh, a, a young child, grade one child, uh, sent me a voice note using his parents' phone to say he's got a conflict with uh, his sibling because there's uh, there's a new pet in the house and they're they're fighting over the pet. And he heard that today is the the Rebbe's yorzeit. Can he please write a letter to the Rebbe for a brocha not to fight with his sibling over this this particular conflict? Isn't that beautiful? So. <laughs> So you were about to say, you were saying on that point, what today is all about. Actually, well, what's interesting is that this child that came by the Rebbe, he didn't, wasn't asking for a bracha not to fight with his sibling. He was asking for a bracha to win the fight. And he got it. But please God uh, to win it in the correct way. So in the car we were chatting and the kids asked, you know, Tati, is Gimel Thomas a happy day, a sad day? And I said that I think Gimel Thomas is like a day the whole day is like a day of Yechidus with the Rebbe. What's Yechidus? Yechidus is seclusion. You and I alone. Uh, there's, uh, we, I once had a guest. Uh, a family actually were living in, um, and he was with us on Yom Kippur. And before Ne'ilah, I shared a teaching of the Rebbe that the word Ne'ilah means locked and conventional. He is that, uh, by Ne'ilah, the gates of heaven are being closed in front of us. And you're about to be locked out, so, you know, get in all your prayers as you can. And the Rebbe says, no, Ne'ilah means that the gates of heaven are being locked behind us, and we're about to be locked into seclusion with uh, with Hashem on this holy day. I think, you know, that the whole purpose of a Rebbe, of any Rebbe, going back to the original Moshe Rabbeinu, Ba'avur Yishma'am b'davri yimach v'gam b'chayim People should see me talking to you and they'll trust in you as well. But that it's, it's to nurture our relationship with Hashem. And so I think a Yechidus with the Rebbe, a, a private audience, is, is a similar experience to that. It's like a day of Ne'ilah. But, you know, and it's not a, Ne'ilah is not a sad time. 
Um, it ends off happy, and, and Gimel Tamas, I guess, will only really end when uh, when Mashiach comes. Yes, but exactly. uh, it's, it's a moment of great intensity, and I think that for each of us, with whatever we come to this day, it's a day that the Rebbe is going to lift us up. Permission? Can I assure us? I, I never know from uh, with the echo here. Yeah, I don't know why this, this, this echo comes and goes. It makes it a little bit, uh, a little bit difficult for us to follow. I wonder if, it, it, if you can move around a little bit or get a better connection. Is that an, op- an option? Because it's a good message and we'd, we'd love people to get it. In the meantime, I'm just going to share with you, we've got a nice tweet over here from Kay who says, I have read his biography, meaning the Rebbe's biography by Rabbi Telushkin. And it was one of the most profound books that I've ever read. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So we're actually already, sure, how the time flew. We're already at the point that we're look, getting to wrap up. It's It's been a magnificent hour. Pity about the connection over there, but let's try. Rabbi Darren, you were about to tell us a story. Okay, so the story has happened with a, with a chassid. A, a, from the community, the Satmar community, as it's known, who were, at, in those years, in the late 1970s, were quite antagonistic towards Chabad. It actually got more heated up around Entebbe, which, for the most part, most of us remember as a great unifying moment of the Jewish people. But when the Rebbe mentioned that a Fabrengen, that the uh, soldiers of Entebbe were that they were they had secured their place in the world to come by virtue of their self-sacrifice and saving the Jewish people. Um, some of these very religious circles came out very strongly against the Rebbe. How can you refer to these people? They don't keep this mitzvah or that mitzvah. The Rebbe was quite strong and refused to, to back down in his uh, support of them. And so that just added to a lot of the acrimony that the Satan community felt towards the Rebbe. But there was this one chassid uh, from the Satan community. He didn't have children. And he went to his leader, uh, the Vayoyo, I think it was Vayoyolish still, I'm not sure. Not sure. And he was told, at the end of, the, of, the, of his moment, he was told, go to that one. Meaning he was telling him, go ask the Lubavitcher for a bracha. You can imagine for Satmer, who at certain points, in the years beforehand, had literally been attacking Chabad Chassidim in the street, beating them to almost death. To go ask the Rebbe for a bracha is quite a radical statement. He can't come inside, and he uh, he asks the Rebbe for a bracha, and the Rebbe gives him some advice, tells him what to do, and then the Rebbe starts asking him about what's happening in Satmar. And, and what happened uh, after the yard site of his of his uh, of the Satmar Rebetzin, etc. And he says, no, the Rebbe made a seum. The Satmar Rebbe says, what was the seum? Was on the Chagiga. What does it say there? The Rebbe asks him. What, what, what was he talking? Rebbe you're a mythbuster. So <laughs> let me ask you a quick question. How, how many uh, pomeg- how many seeds are there in a pomegranate? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. What does it say? doesn't say how many. People have invented the idea that there's 613 because they they just take the story and apply it as if it were a number. But anyhow, go on. 
Well, yeah, people think there's 613, but really there's only 250. Why, why do we say 613? Because the Talmud at the end of Chagiga says that even the sinners of Israel are filled with mitzvahs like pomegranate is filled with seeds. That's where the association of 613 comes from. Right. So the Satmar Rebbe was saying about this, and he said, don't understand this Gemara. How can the sinners of Israel filled with mitzvahs. They're sinners. What kind of mitzvahs can they be filled with? And Rebbe heard this. And he said that Rebbe actually started to cry. Hearing that this is how the, the, the narrative is being framed. Then he said, I also don't understand this Gemara. Why didn't our sages if these people are so full of mitzvahs, how, how can our sages be referring to them as sinners? And I think for, for me, so often, whenever someone does something to me that bothers me, whether it's a moral issue, more particularly when it's personal to me, I right away take offense with that, with that action, and define them by it. This person is a thief. This person is a gossiper. This person is a good for nothing. It never sees it the other way around. It says, look at that person and see them as full of mitzvahs. And then how could you ever attach a negative label to them? And maybe in some small way, I come with my own you know, pack of, uh, of issues to the Rebbe. And, and to know that the Rebbe looks at me and all of us and sees with us Someone who's full of mitzvahs, someone who's full of goodness, all will just fall away. And that's what I hope I can live up to today. I think that's such an amazing lesson for us to take. You know, it's that easy to look at somebody with the so-called left eye, the critical eye, and how the Rebbe taught us to look at everybody with the right eye, the kind and accommodating, but not just to be tolerant and accommodating, to actually see within every person incredible goodness and incredible ability and potential. And the funny thing is, the way that you look at people starts to become the way they see themselves. So maybe that's our take-home from today. To look at the next person and see their strengths, see their goodness, and we can even be kind enough to look at ourselves that way too. Rabbi Darren, I want to thank you. It's been a pleasure. We should do this more often. A little bit of a virtual fabrengen. Thank you, everybody, for joining in and for participating. We did have a couple of messages, but I think you were enthralled by Rabbi Darren and fewer messages, more listening. Uh, we should, more than any, anything else, we should be able to experience the Rebbe's ultimate dream, the purpose of the whole of Judaism, the coming of Moshiach on this special day. Thank you, and have a wonderful day and a good Shabbos. Stay safe, stay sane.